woke up this morning, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I'm sure some of you were tuned in to the games over the weekend, the March Madness. So I woke up to the news this morning about the uh, the win Gonzaga had over UCLA. I'm 95% sure those are the right two teams that were playing. But anyway, I do know that the game ended with this unbelievable overtime buzzer beater. There was seconds left on the clock and this guy just shoots from 40 yards away and it goes in and they go into the... Is that right? Huh? Feet, yes, yes. And it was a touchdown. It was awesome. <laughs> Seriously, Dave, don't use sports analogies. You really can't. So. <laughs> I was so confident with everything I was going to say. But I watched the team celebrate and get excited, and I was thinking, man, what must it be like to, to be there when that moment happens, whether you're a player or a fan? How exciting, just the atmosphere in the room. And I felt like this morning it was a little bit like that because we have something far greater to celebrate this morning. This is our big day of the year as followers of Jesus. This is the day that we celebrate that Jesus rose again. So thank you so much for joining us in person. I know we've got a lot of people watching online this morning from all around the area, around the country, around the world. So good morning to you as well. Happy Easter. Uh, we're so pleased that you've joined us, chosen to join us here at Connect this morning. And if you're here for the very first time. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here. And I was wondering, have you ever noticed how um, certain things can take on a different meaning depending upon the context in which they're in? I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, years ago, Casey, my wife and I, we uh, decided we were going to go on a vacation to the Caribbean. We'd never done this before, to so an all-inclusive resort down there. And uh, I think that's us at sunset. And um, We'd never taken one of these trips before, maybe some of you have, but it was just unbelievable. If you've ever been to one of these resorts down there, the all-inclusive resorts, it's just, it's like time stands still. You just lose track of time altogether. Um, there's, it's, they're providing all the food, the drinks you want. You just lay by the pool, lay by the beach. It's just the best thing in the world. And um, not only do you lose track of days, you lose track of hours in the days. I mean, it's, it, there are times where you just look at your watch and you realize, oh, it's lunchtime. We should probably go and get lunch because you're not hungry because you've been eating nonstop the entire time you've been there. So there's no body that's triggering you to eat. It's just literally your, your time. But, but there comes this moment, normally a day or two from the end of the trip, when I'm normally the one that does this. I start to do the calculations in my head. And I start saying things like, well, this is going to be our last dinner before we go back. This will be our last few hours around the pool. Just one more night left. This time tomorrow, we'll be back in Illinois. <sighs> yeah. And it's kind of sad when we, when we realize we're almost done. You kind of get this disappointment, this sad feeling. But Contrast that, let's say, with a trip to the dentist. Let's say you've got to go to the dentist. You've got to have a crown done or a tooth pulled or a big filling or something. And um, it just feels like forever that this dentist, whether he or she's got their fingers in your mouth and you're like, this, get this over with. This is awful. And then finally they say, you know, I'm almost done. And this sigh of relief, you're like, thank goodness. Thank goodness this is almost over. Isn't it strange how that exact same phrase, we're almost done, can be so different whether you're sat in a dentist chair or a beach chair in the Caribbean. It just sounds so different, doesn't it? And that happens in many ways. You could be reading a, a, a wonderful book that you just can't put down and, and you, just, you almost don't want to read it too quickly because you don't want it to come to an end. You don't want that book to come to an end, but compare that to reading a textbook for college and you're like, ah, oh, 
when will this be done? <laughs> or watching an amazing movie and you're just so caught up in the plot and the action and the, the storyline that, that you just love this movie. You don't want it to end. And compare that to watching a romantic comedy. And you just, <laughs> when will this be over? <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it, how, how the very same thing can, can mean different things. We're going to talk about that this morning in the context of Jesus and his resurrection, his raising from the dead. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about uh, some of the things that Jesus said on the cross in the last few hours of his life. And we've looked at some different phrases, and this morning we're going to look at one final phrase, and in my opinion, it's probably the most significant phrase. It's one of the shortest things he says, but probably the most powerful thing he says. And John, one of the uh, four writers of the Gospels who tells us about the life of Jesus, he, he's the one who tells us about this, and the words will be up on the screen if you want to uh, follow along there. If you've got a, a Bible or an app on your phone, we're going to be reading from John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. It says, Jesus knew, and this is, this is the moment now he's on the cross, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. To those looking on in that moment, his disciples, his friends, his followers, this was the lowest possible point imaginable. When they heard those words, it is finished, it didn't excite them. It crushed them. Because to them, this was the end. In that moment, seeing Jesus die on the cross, they just lost all hope. And here's why. You see, like a, a great vacation or a good book, they didn't want this to come to an end because they, they were pinning their hopes on this man and who he was. Listen to how um, Peter talks about Jesus. John talks about this earlier on. Um, Peter was one of Jesus' followers. And he was pinning all of his hopes on Jesus. Jesus is, is saying to his disciples one day, hey, why don't you guys leave? You know, this is getting hard. Why don't you go your own way? You know, it's gonna be tough to follow me. Why don't you go off on your own? And Peter responds in John 6, verse 68. Simon Peter replies, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. You see, at this point, Jesus' followers and Peter kind of speaking on their behalf, this wasn't just an assumption or they were kind of thinking, you know, maybe this guy is, uh, is they, they were saying, no, this Jesus, you are the one. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God, the Messiah, the one that for hundreds of years, our ancestors have been, have been talking about and, and prophesying and saying, one day, God is gonna send this person, this Messiah who's going to rescue us all. And we, we don't just believe, we know that that's who you are. That's why we're following you. So they put all this hope, all this expectation into who they think Jesus is. And they're correct, but they just misunderstood how his plan was going to come to pass. And because of that, when Jesus died, hope died. And here's why. Because when Jesus died, they all expected him to stay dead. 
They didn't know there was another option. They assumed that when his, he breathed his last breath, when he cried out, it is finished, that it literally was finished. It was over. And I love this because when you realize that John is writing this down several years after this had happened, I love that the, the gospels, the writings about the life of Jesus are so honest because this is John, this is one of the disciples who would have been there and he's basically saying, we missed it. If I was John, I'd be writing, well, I mean, we knew he was coming back. <laughs> you know, we, we, we looked sad, but we kind of knew it was, we'd figured it out, but they hadn't. They had no idea. So they're so honest about the response that back then, we, we, we didn't realize that it wasn't the end. Because they didn't understand the disciples that when Jesus said, it is finished, it was far from the end. In actual fact, it was just the beginning. When Jesus died on the cross, when he cried out, it is finished, that was actually the beginning of something incredible that still impacts us this morning. I don't know if any of you are fans of Marvel movies, um, all the different Iron Man and Avengers and those kind of things, but if you've ever been to see one of those movies at the theater, um, don't make the rookie mistake that I made, and that's that when the movie comes to an end, you get up and leave. I, I got up out of my seat, I started to leave the theater, and I turned around and looked, and no one's moving. Everyone's sitting there, the credits are rolling, I'm like, what's going on here? Uh, so I kind of hung out for a bit, and suddenly, after about three or four minutes of credits, there's a bonus scene. There's this extra scene that you didn't know about and suddenly you discover in this bonus scene that, that the movie hasn't actually ended, that there's more to it. There's kind of a teaser of what is to come. In fact, the story itself hasn't ended. There's more to come. So then you leave and, and you get to the back of the theater and you turn around and there's another bonus scene and there's more to the story. And then you leave and you go home and the next day you see a friend and they ask if you've seen the movie and you say yes. And they say, did you see the third bonus scene? You're like, there's a third bonus scene? They're like, yeah, you had to wait till the very end of the movie and then the, the guy from the theater comes in, he sweeps up all the popcorn and then after that, there's an extra scene. <laughs> That's kind of what it feels like sometimes. I'm like, just put them all together. Just show us the scenes and let us leave. But that's what I love about those movies. You know, you, you think the story's done, but it's actually not. There's this teaser at the end that there's something more coming. And that's what happened on that Easter. The disciples didn't realize this at the time, but it hadn't actually ended. This wasn't completely finished. But for a couple of days, the disciples thought it was. They were crushed. They were hiding away. Wondering if they'd wasted three years of their lives following the wrong person. Wondering if the next knock at the door would be the Roman soldiers coming for them next. We sang these words in a song earlier. Saturday was silent. Surely it was through. And that's how it felt for these disciples. But the next two lines say, but since when has impossible ever stopped you? Listen to what happened on that Sunday morning. This, this is why we're here this morning. This is why we're here celebrating Easter this morning. You all look fantastic. I'm loving the outfits. I'm loving the Easter looks. I know there's going to be a lot of family pictures. I'm loving that there's lots of family here this morning because mom said we are going to church. It's Easter Sunday. We are all going to church together as a family. Um, I think some of you got some chocolate this morning. I think some of you got some Easter baskets. It's been a great day, but this is why 
we celebrate Easter. John chapter 20, verses 1, then 14 through 16. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. And verse 16, Mary, Jesus said, and she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher, because she recognized his voice. Mary assumed that the last words she would ever hear Jesus say were those, that phrase, it is finished. But in that moment, she got to hear his voice again say, Mary. And darkness turned to light. In that moment, when she heard his voice, everything changed. And it is finished went to, it's just beginning. I can see you all really clearly now, which could be a good or a bad thing. We'll see. Because when you fully understand what it is finished means, that phrase goes from Caribbean vacation to dentist chair. It changes completely. You realize that, that it is finished, instead of being a negative phrase, is in fact an incredibly exciting positive phrase because it takes on a whole new meaning. You see... What Jesus said, when he said, it is finished, it was actually a Greek word. It was just one word in the Greek language, and it's translated into our English Bibles, it is finished. But in the Greek language, it was just one word. And I actually believe that when we read that verse earlier, and Jesus said, I'm thirsty, and they gave him the, the wine vinegar to drink, I don't know that he was so much thirsty. I think his, his, his mouth was so dry, his lips were so parched, and this was so important for him to cry out that he wanted to, to wet his lips. He wanted to get some liquid in his mouth so that he could make sure without any doubt that the loudest he could possibly cry out, it is finished. Some of the other Gospels say that at the end, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. That's how important this one Greek word was for him to cry out loud. And the word he shouted out was tetelestai. Tetelestai, it's a Greek word, and it literally means in English, it is finished. A servant would use it in those days to, to report to his or her master when a job was finished, I've completed the work assigned to me, tetelestai. When an artist completed a picture or a writer or a manuscript, he or she might say, it is finished, to tell us die. But it's fascinating because where this word shows up the most, historians and archaeologists have discovered who study ancient Greece and this kind of New Testament times, they've come across papyri, these old ancient receipts in, in tax systems, these, these letters, and written across these receipts is the word to tell us die. Because it literally means paid in full. The debt has been paid, paid in full. So why would Jesus cry out, paid in full from the cross? Why would that be the last phrase that we hear from Jesus' lips before he passes away? Well, it's because that's exactly what his death was. He was canceling a debt. He was canceling our debt. You see, the wrong things that you and I do, the wrong things that people have been doing for thousands of years, they, they separate us from a perfect God. 
And the only solution to that is that we live a life without doing any of those wrong things. We live a life of perfection. And, and I don't know how you're doing that area, but I fell short of that quite a while ago. So before Jesus, people who would worship God, there was a, a, a sacrificial system in place. They would sacrifice animals, and that would be like a, a temporary solution. That would kind of um, cover some of the, the Bible calls them sins, the wrong thing they did. Uh, it would cover their sins, but it was only a temporary solution. So because we'll never live perfect lives, God came up with another solution. And that was to send someone who did live a perfect life. Paul explains when he's writing to the church in Corinth, a guy called Paul in the New Testament. Uh, this is years after the death of Jesus and the church is starting to grow in that area. He writes in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, to be the sacrifice for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's what we're celebrating today. That it is finished. It's been paid in full. The debt's been canceled. We can be made right with God through Christ. And rather than finishing that moment on the cross, it just was beginning. 50 days later, Jesus has risen from the dead, gone back to heaven. The disciples, it says, were gathered in one place and a big crowd came and, and Peter stood up and preached in front of this crowd. 3,000 people that day said, we wanna follow this Jesus that you talk about. And it just kept growing and growing and growing from there. Do you know, when Jesus died, the only people who really knew who he was was a small crowd of people in a small town called Galilee. That's the only impact he'd really had on the world at that time. Just 100 years later, the emperor of Rome, now understand that at this point, the Roman Empire stretched from Great Britain in the West, you may have heard of it, a little country called Great Britain, Great Britain in the West, all the way across to Africa and Ethiopia. I mean, this was the, the majority of the known world at the time. And the emperor of the entire empire of Rome is receiving letters saying, what are we going to do about this Jesus? What are we going to do about these followers of Jesus? This, this thing is growing. These people are changing our empire, the way they live their lives. Things are, how are we going to deal with this? In just 100 years, this is how quickly this movement was growing. 2,000 years later, it's still growing. He's still changing lives around the world. He's changing lives here in Washington. There are some of you here this morning that are celebrating Easter with us in a way that you've never celebrated Easter before. Because maybe in years gone by, this was a tradition to come to church as a family, but, but you found a relationship with Jesus and it's changed who you are. And now when you come, it's more than just something we do once a year as a family. This is something that we do because it's everything in my life. 2,000 years later, he's still changing lives. And I love it because the impact he makes in our lives causes us, as followers of Jesus, to want to just share his light and love and make a difference in others' lives. Just a little over a month ago, I stood on this stage and we were watching TV and the news and seeing these um, crazy pictures coming from Texas when that winter storm hit. So much destruction and people suffering and just all sorts of things going on. And as a community that understood what that felt like, having gone through a tornado in 2013, I said, you know, I know that the local church can make a difference in that area. 
So wouldn't it be great if we could help a local church in Texas? And I asked uh, for your generosity, and, and we actually t- raised $6,000 in an offering to send to a church in Texas, just outside of Austin, Texas, a community down there. Just this last week, the pastor from that church contacted me and said, hey, please say thank you so much to everyone at Connect for being so generous. Your generosity, your gifts meant that we could go out and accomplish the mission of Jesus in our town in a really difficult time. They'd been four days without water, four days with no running water and this this small community, they were kind of up in the hills a bit so no one could get up there ready to bring supplies. But thanks to some of our generosity, thanks to some of our finances, they were able to get 15,000 bottles of water and five 500-gallon trucks to provide fresh water to neighborhoods all around that area. He, he kind of told me some other things they did. They, they were able to do so many things to impact that community. But one of the greatest things, he told me this story about Gail, this lady by the name of Gail. They got a call to the church from this lady. She lived in a trailer just outside of town in probably a rougher area of the community. He said that he's got a guy in his community who owns a Domino's Pizza and the drivers aren't allowed to deliver to this particular area. That's kind of the reputation this area has. Gail lived in this trailer. And to be honest with you, as you drive past, the pastor said, you'd assume it was like a junkyard full of old RVs, but it's actually people's homes. That's where they live. And what had happened is during the storm, Gail, who's in her mid-60s, she has a disability, she's a retired long-haul trucker, truckle, (laughs) chuckle, Um, he said in the middle of the night, this giant oak tree, because of all the ice and the storms, fell on her trailer. And miraculously, there's a one long branch that basically was holding the tree up. Had it not been for that branch, it would have crushed the trailer altogether. But even though it didn't crush the trailer, it covered it so much that she couldn't get out. She was literally trapped inside of this trailer. Gail had two adult sons that lived 10 minutes away, but her relationship with them was so fractured and broken that they never once called to check on her. So at her wit's end, not knowing anything to do, not able to get out of this trailer, she just called. She looked up and called the number of this church. She said, I don't know if you can help, but I'm stuck. They sent some EMTs over there and they were able to get her out of the trailer. Then they recruited a big group of volunteers from the church and they went out and they started to cut away the branches and cut away the tree to help clear the path so this lady's um, RV, her trailer, would be uh, free to get inside again. Volunteers went to the front there and spent hours all day just cutting the tree away, repaired the damaged roof, water pipes were busted, they fixed them, they got her back up and running. He said the entire day that they were there, she was just in tears and could not believe that all these people would come to help me. It was cool because in the midst of this, he said that six or seven other families who lived in trailers saw what was going on. They said, hey, could you help us? And the church was able to then send people to help other people in this community. This community that probably didn't see many people coming in to help. She was such a broken woman, the pastor told me. She was absolutely beside herself. These are her words. She said she couldn't believe that someone would help a loser like her. My favorite picture that he sent me was this last one where the church was able to gather around Gail, pray with her. And in that moment, one of the ladies said, would you like to pray? Would you like to have a relationship with this Jesus? 
who's changed our lives? And she said, yes. In that moment, she prayed, asked Jesus into her life. He said she's now connected to the church and there's Gail right there. This all started 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose from the dead. He might have cried out, it is finished, but it is just beginning. And it's not finished. He's still changing lives today. He's changing lives here in Washington. He's changing lives of people like Gail. And he wants to change your life this morning. That's the greatest message of Easter is that Jesus wants to change your life this morning. He's nowhere near finished. I'm going to pray in just a second. And as I pray, I'm going to pause in my prayer just not to make you uncomfortable, but to give you a moment just for some self-reflection. You haven't got to say anything out loud. You haven't got to do anything. But it might be a moment where you feel a need to respond to this thought. That that debt Jesus paid, it was for you. It wasn't just for us who are followers of Jesus. It was for all of us. And He wants us to respond to Him. So in that, that moment of silence, maybe you'll do that. Maybe you'll say, Jesus, I want to know that relationship. I want to experience what Gail experienced that day. Let's pray. Father, this is a day of celebration. That phrase, it is finished, on that Friday was a negative phrase. Those disciples, they were sad to hear that. But when you rose again, they realized that this phrase took on a new meaning altogether mission accomplished and that it's just begun and it's not finished because there are still people who haven't yet taken that step of faith to respond to your act of love and I pray this morning whether it's somebody watching online right now somebody here in the building there could be somebody who on this Easter Sunday decides to take that step towards you so if there's Anyone here this morning, just in these next couple of seconds of silence, Lord, I pray that you would hear their prayer from wherever they're sat right now. Sundays from today, we're going to have my second favourite service. Easter Sunday will always be number one, but a very close second is whenever we have a baptism service here at Connect. We do these uh, on a regular basis, baptism services, and it's a time for uh, your your church background may be different, but here at Connect, uh, we actually have a, a tank of water right here on the stage. And people come up and they go down into the water and they come back up again. And it's to signify their decision that their old life 
is going down and the new life is coming up. It's people saying, I've made this decision to follow Jesus. One of the greatest things you can do above praying that prayer is saying, I, I want everyone to know. I want everyone to know that I've made this decision to follow Jesus. And you might be here this morning, whether it's this morning or in recent times, you've made that decision, but you've yet to, to go public with it. We have a sign-up sheet on the welcome desk. If you're watching online, there's a link you can click on. We would love to tell you more about how our baptism services work and answer any questions you might have. What a great opportunity, just a few weeks after Easter Sunday, to celebrate that same death to life experience here in your own life. But Easter Sunday, today, today's the day that we remember that my God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that He wants to. And He wants to do that in your life this morning. So we're gonna close out this morning by singing those very words. Would you stand with me this morning?